This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Julia Fukawa, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into the week's top headlines. A coalition of Democratic voters is challenging the state's gerrymandered political districts. Their case against the state is before the New Hampshire Supreme Court. NHPR's Todd Bookman was in the courtroom yesterday for oral arguments, and he joins us now. Hey, Todd. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. First, can you tell us more about New Hampshire's current political maps? Why do Democrats say Republicans went too far? Sure. So these maps were drawn by the GOP and signed into law by the governor. And uh, specifically, we're talking about the maps for the state Senate. Those are 24 seats and the executive council. Those are five districts. And, And the allegation here is that the GOP gerrymandered the districts to guarantee themselves the majority, that they essentially um, packed and cracked Democratic voters. And the end result here, according to the Democrats, is that even though Democratic candidates got more votes across all 24 Senate districts, Republicans won the majority, 14 to 10. Same thing in the Executive Council. They claim more votes for Democratic candidates, and yet the GOP secured a four to one uh, advantage in the Executive Council. And, and so essentially, this was the argument that was made before the court yesterday, that this is an undemocratic system that we have now. And uh, here's the attorney who is representing this group of Democratic voters. His name is Jonathan Hawley, uh, speaking to the justices. Elections conducted under partisan gerrymandered maps are not free because the electoral results are predetermined. And they are not equal because not all voters have the same opportunity to elect their representatives. Todd, what is this group of Democratic voters hoping to accomplish with this lawsuit against the state? Well, at this point, their ask simply of the Supreme Court is to order a lower court to at least consider that the GOP maps violate the Constitution. You know, the process here isn't totally clear should the Democrats prevail. You know, should a lower court judge Uh, redraw the maps themselves on their own? Would the legislature be told, you know, you need to try this again? What parameters would be in place? Um, Map drawing may sound easy, but ultimately, you know, there there is no rule book to follow here, um, except that the state would argue, you know, that there there doesn't need to be a rule book. Yeah, I'd like to dive into that. Uh, What's the state's response to these allegations? Sure. So, so the state points to the Constitution, the state Constitution, which which lays out clearly that the legislature shall draw the maps, that essentially the courts um, don't and shouldn't play a role. Um, the only thing really prescribed in the Constitution is that the districts need to be of, of roughly equal populations and that you don't have map lines cutting a town or a, or a city ward in half. But otherwise, it's it's up to the lawmakers in power to draw the maps. Uh, Anthony Galdieri, he's the Solicitor General. He made that argument to justices yesterday. You know that essentially there is no requirement that these districts be equally split, say, among registered Democrats and Republicans. There is no bright line here that you're entitled to a certain level of competitiveness or a certain quantum of competitiveness in your district. So, what are some of the big questions the court has to weigh in this case? I think it's twofold. First, the the justices are going to have to decide if the courts do have any role here, if they can serve as essentially a check on the legislature's authority. And second, you know, if they say yes to that, that democracy is ultimately at stake here. Well, you know, the decision next is, well, where does the court's role begin? You know, how gerrymandered does a map need to be before the court steps in? And, you know, based on what we heard yesterday, um, I'm not sure what that outcome will be. All right, Todd, thank you so much. Thank you.
This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Julia Furukawa, and we're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Todd Bookman and the New Hampshire Bulletin's Beatrice Burak, who is with us now as well. Good morning, Beatrice. Thanks for having me, Julia. So with the New Hampshire House so closely divided this session, attendance has played a pretty big role in key votes on policy. And Beatrice, you took a closer look at overall attendance and participation this session. So how does it compare to previous sessions? So House attendance and participation this session have been unusually high. Uh, The average House members voted in around 93 percent of the roll call votes we've had so far. And when my colleague Amory Timmons and I started working on this story, we reached out to the nonprofit Citizens Count, uh, and they were able to actually take us back through about 20 years of data. And nowhere in that 20 years has the average ever uh, been as high as 93%. And the other thing that we found in our research is that around 77% of the House members uh, have voted in 90% or more of the votes that have taken place. Uh, So it's really the vast majority of members that are showing up. They're voting really often. Uh, It's just a small proportion of people who aren't voting as much um, who are dragging down that average. So as you said, most representatives are voting consistently, but, you know, not all of them are showing up. What are some of the reasons lawmakers are citing for missing session days? It can be anything from taking care of your kids to having a sick family member, being sick yourself. Uh, Lawmakers also have other work obligations. Uh, Remember, we essentially essentially have a volunteer legislature, so members are paid only $100 a year, and many of them have other jobs. Uh, So it's definitely commendable that most members show up as often as they do. And uh, Anne-Marie and I, we talked to nine House members who've made it to 50% or fewer of the votes uh, that have taken place this session, and all but one of them attributed their extended absences to either serious personal health concerns or, or family illnesses. Uh, There was just one member, Representative William Dolan, who's from Nashua. Uh, He's missed about 80 percent of the votes, and he said that's because he's an attorney and he's been working on a really involved case. So what does this mean for House votes and for their constituents when those lawmakers are unable to show up? Right. It's, It's a tough balance because these lawmakers are real people, they're human beings, and they have a lot of other obligations. Um, But they also ran for uh, and they were elected to represent their constituents in Concord. And this session, uh, House margins are really, really close. Republicans have only a four-vote majority over Democrats. And so because of those really tight margins, when someone doesn't show up, not only do their constituents not get a voice, uh, but their their absence can really sway the outcome of a vote. Uh, So the the attempted repeal of the abortion ban is one example. That vote failed in a tie. Uh, And we've also had instances where because of attendance, uh, Democrats have actually held a momentary majority in the chamber. Beatrice, you talked with advocates who want to make it easier for representatives to show up for House votes. What do they propose? There's a lot of ideas out there. Um, One, probably the the biggest one, is to allow for remote participation. And that's something the Senate's allowed in the past if a member's been sick, uh, but the House hasn't. And a number of Democrats have been pushing for remote remote voting in the House. Um, At the start of the session, uh, they pushed for that, and that measure was voted down. There's also been a lawsuit to try to change the rules, and that hasn't seen much success. Um, But there's two other things I've heard from advocates and legislators, and one is trying to make child care free and available for state reps, uh, and also potentially shifting around session times and and meeting times so that representatives who do have another day job during the normal work week can accommodate that. 
And if a New Hampshire resident, a listener, wants to know more about their representative's attendance record, where can they find that information? Well, you can uh, you can read our story, and, and right at the bottom, uh, if you scroll all the way down, there's a table. You can search for your representative by name. You can find their attendance and their participation numbers for this past session, uh, current as of last week. Uh, and then also, if you, if you want to update that going forward, you can go to the House website and, and search for your rep by name. All right, Beatrice, thank you so much. Thank you. And Todd, let's turn back to you for a moment. Former President Donald Trump took to the stage this week at St. Anselm College in Goffstown for a televised town hall that was put on by CNN. Uh, protesters and supporters gathered outside the event. Todd, you were there on campus. Uh, what did you hear from folks? Yeah, I spoke with a lot of students. There was a large crowd. It helped that it was sort of a beautiful afternoon and, um, you know, be call it college campus. So everybody was sort of splayed out on the lawn. And opinions were exactly what you'd expect. Some were were thrilled that the president would visit their campus. They saw it as an honor. You know, St. A's has this history of, of um, political activism and debate dating back to the 1960s. And then there were also a lot of students protesting, protesting against his visit, saying that essentially, you know, Trump can do and say whatever he'd like, but that doesn't mean that that St. A's needs to provide him with the platform uh, to, to do that. So I, I think we have a sampling of, of some of the voices that we heard. Yeah, let's go ahead and check that out. We want to be a college that is open and fair and welcoming to all political parties, but not when it is somebody that is representative of such awful and hateful violence, a sexual predator, somebody that has been accused and convicted now of so many things. You know, I think his personal life is different than his professional life and his political life. So, I mean, I'm not here to judge people on what they do in their own time. I think when he was the president, he served our country well, and that's what I'm judging him on. Thoughts on that, Todd? So those are the two voices. Um, uh, Ellie Carlson McNally, she's a senior uh, who is critical of Trump's visit. And then Sherry Rossler was the second voice that we heard. And Sherry was is actually a mom who happened to be visiting her daughter, who's a sophomore on campus. And they you know, sort of summed up the the two sides there. There were um, sort of these dueling protests taking place. And then, you know, certainly in the past 24 hours, we've seen a lot of um, of, of debate about how CNN handled the, the live town hall event. And Todd, what is next? What other stories are you following right now? What are you keeping an eye on? Oh, uh, you know, certainly a busy time of year at the state house. Um, yesterday, the Senate killed recreational marijuana efforts. Uh, that's likely to result uh, in some tension now between the House and the Senate, uh, Medicaid expansion reauthorization is coming down, votes on the Parental Bill of Rights, uh, of course, the next state budget. There is still a lot to be hammered out in the next, uh, it's probably six or so weeks at the State House. So, so you know, a lot on the horizon before we get to chill for the summer, hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, NHPR's Todd Bookman, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. And the New Hampshire Bulletin's Beatrice Burak, thank you as well for sharing your reporting. Thanks so much. You can find all of the stories we talked about this morning and more at nhpr.org and newhampshirebulletin.com. And if you want to test your knowledge of the week's news, we suggest that you check out the New Hampshire News Quiz. It's fun, quick, and informative. And you can uh, do a little competition with your friends. You can sign up to get the quiz emailed to you, or you can check it out every Thursday evening at nhpr.org quiz. We'll be here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Julia Prukawa, and this is NHPR.